Hey everybody, welcome to episode 38 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran and I have been metal detecting for nearly 30 years and this week we talk about mudlarking. I look at the history and discuss the differences between real mudlarking and what everybody else calls mudlarking. So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the show this week, but before we begin, I want to give you the following information. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. Or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. And now, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on SpeakPipe.com forward slash The Metal Detecting Show. The link will be in the show notes. If you'd like to buy me a coffee, you can actually do so now with buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. And lastly, and most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey Detectorist, welcome to episode 38. Only two weeks to Christmas now, so happy Christmas and I want to let you know my schedule over the Christmas period. This week, of course, we're talking about mudlarking. Next week will be my review of the Simplex, but the following two weeks, which are Christmas Day and New Year's Day, will be the highlights from the year, with regular service resuming the first Friday of the new year. I am feeling the podcast could do with a refresh, both in content and stylistically, so let me know if you have any preferences. Would you like more interviews? More quick hits of me talking about whatever I come across week on week? more product reviews. For me, I hope to do more interviews and product reviews interspersed with some tech tips. If you compare the podcast to when we first started back in March, we had music all the way through the podcast. We had a weekly news section and a tech timeout, all of which have gone by the wayside. I will still drop in a tech timeout every now and again, only because I like to shout on the podcast. But I might change the theme tune and how much of it I use each week. Plus, I am investigating creating more YouTube content, such as recording the podcast live-ish, which might not work with interviews, but let's see. And I'm also thinking on creating a YouTube channel to just review and benchmark metal detectors, so let me know. This week, I got out again with the Simplex. I took it to one of the toughest terrains I hunt, and apart from some physical issues with the detector, I was happy with the hunt, hitting a coin spill of spendies enough for a coffee, which is always nice. The more I do this podcast, I find I am making the mistakes I tell people to watch out for. Like this week's hunt, I never charged up my GoPro, which died halfway through the hunt, and I never charged my pinpointer, which died after about 90 minutes. So do as I say, people, not as I do. It was cold this week, very cold, about 3 degrees C or 37 degrees Fahrenheit, which is positively summer for some of the listeners, but it was cold, especially when the hands got wet, so make sure to wrap up warm, people. I am still investigating the insurance issue, which is drawing out way too long at this stage, as I am getting the runaround from a few brokers, but I'll persevere into the new year and give you an update as soon as I get one. Of course, this is having a direct impact on my ability to get permissions, but with the country opening up, this will ease. So this week, we are going to discuss mudlarking, and with any discussion like this, I always like to start with a bit of history. Mudlarking, in the traditional sense, is what the rest of the world would call beachcombing, or at least the urban equivalent of beachcombing, 
but mudlarking came into popularity in the 18th century along the foreshore of the Thames in London, England. However, I don't believe for one minute that there was no mudlarking occurring in London before this, but it seems to have gained some popularity around then, so we'll go with that. Mudlarking back then was consigned to some of the low-skilled and poverty-stricken populace of London, who would scrape about in the mud of the Thames foreshore between tides looking for titbits and bits and bobs that fell off passing barges and boats to sell on for a living. This would be filthy work today, but consider that the Thames was a major vein of the London raw sewage system, with animal and human waste being pumped and dumped into it every day, making it a career that operated in deplorable conditions, where a simple cut could fester and kill you, and often did. Although the conditions were shocking and rewards minimal, a lot of mudlarks were happy with their lot, as this role allowed them certain freedoms in working their own hours, plus they got to keep what they earned or found, which meant they were masters of their own time and leisure, a lot more than what their counterparts had who worked in the workhouses at the time. So that's where it started. But where is it today? Well, I think it's safe to say, even though a lot of people would call their beachcombing activities mudlarking, this is inaccurate, as the only place you can mudlark, in my mind, is on the London foreshore. Or to put it in other words, you can beachcomb anywhere, but you can only mudlark on the Thames foreshore. Um, print a t-shirt there somebody will you so the modern equivalent is pretty much the same as what it was in the past a modern mudlark will walk the foreshore looking for finds that are of archaeological or historical importance or just finds of interest these finds could be anything from everyday items pottery buttons tools and clay pipes with the odd kind popping up but a smorgasbord of general oddities that have been dropped into the Thames over the last 400 years so how do you go about mudlarking on the Thames? Well, first, let's consider the equipment you would need. And to be honest, a lot of this is related to safety, which is most definitely an important part of mudlarking. Obviously, you need gloves so you don't cut yourself in the still filthy water of the Thames, boots so you don't slip on the slippy rocks, maybe a few small digging tools if permitted, but I'll get into that a bit later, a watch to keep an eye on the tides or at least the window of time between tides which can swing up and down up to 7 metres twice a day, make sure to have an exit strategy, as getting off the foreshore normally means climbing a ladder or steps, which can be far from where you end up when the tide starts coming in. One of the most important safety concerns is to watch out for wheels disease, which, if you have been listening to the podcast before, will know is a disease that comes from rat's urine and enters through cuts in the hands or via the eye cavity, and can cause kidney failure and bleeding from the lungs. An altogether nasty ailment, so be careful. Once you're safe, all you need is a good set of eyes and some knowledge to educate you to what to look out for. Some great places to go mudlarking in London are under the Millennium Bridge, just outside the Tate Modern Gallery, the North Bank, the South Wark and Blackfriars. One of the amazing things about the Thames Foreshore is that it's made up of anaerobic soil, which essentially has no oxygen in it so as to rust any artefact or find. And because of this preservative effect, finds have been found in near-perfect condition to the day they were dropped, hundreds of years previously. This makes the Thames foreshore a very valuable resource in relation to archaeology and the history of London, and as such, it is protected. And if you want to go mudlarking, you can't just jump over the fence and have a go. You need to make sure you have the proper permits. Where do you get these permits? Well, as the Thames is owned by the Port of London Authority, you will need to fill out a form with them and they will give you a permit to mudlark if successful and will help you by telling you where to go and what to do 
if you find something of importance and whether these finds can leave the country or not. If you're worth your weight in salt, you will be thinking like any metal detectorist, and that is, wouldn't it be great to bring a metal detector onto the foreshore? Well, that is illegal without a license, again, which can be issued by the Port of London Authority, and costs £85 or $110 and payable annually. But this is only for a standard permit, which only allows digging to a depth of 7.5 centimetres or 3 inches. And right now, the Port of London Authority is not currently issuing any new mudlark permits. But I'll include a link to the expectations and rules in the show notes. Some good resources about mudlarking are online and I'll reference two in particular later. But I expect most people are familiar with Mudmen, a British television series on the History Channel which followed members of the Mudlark Society as they hunted for history on the River Thames for sure. This series was presented by Johnny Vaughan and Steve Mudgod Brooker, who was chairman of the Mudlark Society. I say was as it is no longer being filmed, but it was a great show which did something special and I have to say I missed it when it got cancelled. I am sure there are some downloadable versions of the show online, so make sure to check it out as it is a stealthy wealth of knowledge. A great book to read on the subject is London in Fragments by Ted Sandling. Although the information is outdated, it is still worth a look. If you're looking for a more up-to-date account of mudlarking and the finds available, make sure to check out Mudlarking by Lara Michaelam, who goes by london.mudlark on Instagram and is a regular on the BBC or podcasts on the subject. If Instagram is not your cup of tea, then make sure to check out Nicola White Mudlark on YouTube, who creates some great content and stories on the subject. So you can't get to London to Mudlark authentically, but you can get to your local river foreshore or beach to beachcomb. I myself love to walk the harbour foreshore looking for bits of old pottery and glass, and on the occasion I have found a clay pipe or two. And believe it or not, my very first gold ring I found out metal detecting was a surface find when I was walking the beach on the way home from a day detecting. Mudlarking or beach combing is probably the easiest and healthiest way to get into the hobby of metal detecting or amateur archaeology. All it takes is for you to strap on your boots, put on a bag over your shoulder, put your head down, open your eyes and off you go. But it will take a bit of time for you to get attuned to what you are looking for or at. Or, as they say in Mudmen, to get the eye in. But whatever you call it, either mudlarking or beachcombing, it is a great activity for the days you want to take a break from swinging the metal detector or to get the kids involved. That's it for this week. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. Also, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting. Happy hunting.